Radio Level 5 is an artist-run podcast from Level 5, a cooperative studio floor in the center of Brussels. In our podcasts, we invite artists and other people to discuss which interests inspire their practice and how they work. Sometimes, we also play sound pieces. Hope you enjoy. Okay, welcome. Welcome to another interview for Radio Level 5. Today we are doing an interview with Helen Dowling. Mauli! Mauli Dowling. Yeah, Mauli actually you have two names, but I guess uh, as an artist you're mainly under the name Helen Dowling. Yep, yeah. And um, we, that is Batsheva Ross and Olaf Winkler, that's me, we are doing the interview today. And uh, like always to introduce you a tiny bit, um, and you can directly correct me or us, I would describe you as an artist who is mainly doing video and film work. That means not necessarily a filmmaker in your self-understanding probably, but more like an artist who chose for this material. Um, is that right? Would you yeah. Would you say so? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the only correction if I was going to do one would be that I would not say film purely because I never, I've never really worked with film. Oh, it's purely video, so... Yeah, mm. yeah. So even though, like, I think it sometimes references film, I, I've never actually sort of gone through the experience of using, using film properly. I tried once, and then it really died a death within about two days. And so uh, I always come back to video. Oh, okay. Because it... But then we can, we can talk about later on. I have the feeling that you sometimes mix different uh, formats of video, and I believe... I think that I remember even that in one video you played a bit with a sound which reminded me of a Super 8 or something, so I wasn't quite sure. I thought you'd take a few different things. But before we start talking about this... And all of it has like installation video, right? It's the, the installation is very big part. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, but let's start... Uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of installation as well. So. Yeah. But to maybe slowly get closer to your work... Um, you said you're currently working on a, on a project. Um, which would probably be a video project or an installation, we will see. Good guess. But maybe Good we guess. should describe a bit the films that, uh, or not the film, sorry, the videos, the video installation that Helen does for uh, Yeah, but maybe you describe it yourself. Yeah, maybe you describe something. Uh, the one that I'm working on at the moment? No, in general, how would you describe your practice? I think it's um, it kind of always comes from video in some way. So even if it's, if it's not video, even if it's sort of sculpture or photography, it's often done at the same time as I'm editing something and um, for instance I did a series of photographs where sort of hands and uh, ping pong balls make faces and they look quite creature-like and quite um, sort of expressive emotionally but that came out of filming a hand, my hand, picking up a ball from a mirror that, so it, because I was editing that's how those photographs kind of came about. So. I think I think through video a lot, and even when it comes to sort of sculptures or anything that goes around the video, it's often in reaction or in support of the the video that I'm making. Right. <clears throat> so it's um, although I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I don't really say video artist because I feel like that's also very specific and, and dedicated. Artists hate to be pigeonholed. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also I was also took me a very long time to even get comfortable with saying the words artist that right. I am an artist. Okay. And it's still so how should we describe you? Not an artist. <sighs> someone who makes arts. Someone who makes stuff. <laughs> someone who makes stuff, and sometimes she makes stuff. 
and video. I would definitely say like I make I make video inst I make video installations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe that's 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 what I'm most comfortable with. And would you be comfortable if we describe your videos are kind of uh, that have some kind of a intuitive logic to it, musical driven logic to it? Yeah, less of a narrative. There's something more very atmospherical about your videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah there's, there's, I think there's, I think I'm definitely trying to at least when I'm editing, and for me editing is really important. Uh, it's kind of where it's kind of where everything happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and where the work really gets formed, that I'm always, I feel like I'm always kind of appealing to something sensual or something um, slightly experational, exp- experational, experiential. That mm. it's, uh, I'm sort of trying to pull something either out of the video or push something into it, and mm-hmm. and then yeah, it's kind of trying to make something, find something that's happening there, and then being able to sort of create a narrative. A narrative, but not through spoke, not necessarily through spoken word or some sort of sort of plot or dialogue, but that a scene could make sense because something in it has an emotional value that triggers the next mm-hmm. the next clip or the next sort of scene. Mm-hmm. Do you? Well, that might already be a point again that you might correct. I'm not sure if I use the word footage or so, but you're using. Let's say you 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 put different visual impressions together to one one piece like it's kind of a montage uh, the works that I know like like you just said it's not a clear narrative it's not like this chronological line or whatever that is in there um, when you start with something do you already have an idea of that or is this all in this post editing or editing afterwards um, how, how do you collect let's put it that way do you collect material for a specific project do you already have an Idea and what does this idea look like? Is it more like a spherical, atmospherical? I, I mean, it's, it depends on the. It depends a little bit. It does differ from project to project, but um, sometimes it can happen by by accident. So I've filmed something, and it's only later on that it kind of becomes a piece by itself. Um, so that was in this video called Holden that you guys saw of this car. Mm-hmm. I was in Australia for a research trip for a very different video, which was all about filming a kind of landscape and and uh, investigating a kind of idea of a vacant landscape and uh, during a sort of like 10 day trip in Australia I just filmed the inside of the car that I was using so much that I was constantly inside and constantly sort of using to access the other filming locations and I just filmed for an afternoon the inside of this car doing really slow panning shots with a with a tripod and loosening it enough so that it kind of fell using its own gravity and there was not a specific design for that but sort of later on um, just by finding sort of music that I thought was going to work somehow and I triggered this sort of memory of this other footage I'd made and then dropping it into the timeline and that came about sort of really as an accident um, but then with things like The Queen of Lemons it really came about through uh, seeing a piece of f- seeing f- sort of really finding footage on an online marketplace called Pond Five, and it was seeing. Let's just play and give it like tags. Uh, the holder one, did you make it? One, make what? When 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 is it dated? The holder. 
<laughs> with a car? This is, where I'm, gonna, this is where I'm going to look incredibly unprofessional. Okay. I'm going to say 2018, but okay. I'm not entirely convinced. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's But just so we have sort of, somehow have an idea of time where exactly each, uh, to place each work. And now the Queen of Lebanon, have you seen it also? Yeah. Here in Brussels and uh, in was, Spain? Yeah, that was in Wheels and also... Um, it was done afterwards, right? That was afterwards, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was... That was just stumbling across this place where you can buy footage on a uh, on an online marketplace, and you could. Uh, so, so first of all, what interested me was the format of this online marketplace. Mm -hmm. It's essentially for purpose-made stock footage, so um, not like a sort of traditional library archive where you would go and say find uh, historical television reports and use a clip of that. But it was material content specifically generated to be bought by a multitude of people to use in their own projects. So it has a very different kind of commercial um, sort of foresight involved in the making of the clips. And I was really interested in the clips of women. They were often really um, slow motion for a start, very high spec, so sort of high resolution, and often either sort of quite absurd scenes like a woman jumping on a trampoline with a flare, that's in the video, um, or you know women looking out at the horizon contemplating something. So there was a sort of almost like a, um, an abstraction that was going on. But you combined it with uh, other footage that you took of uh, some kind of a museum. What museum is it? That's the museum in Brussels, so the oh, Art and History Museum. Right, right. And I'd filmed that a while ago, but it was during a time when they were doing a lot of renovations. I say a lot of renovations, they were covering stuff up. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the covering you see in the beginning. That's of the covering uh, that you see in the beginning. Yeah, okay. And it's a sort of... Almost a crystal from inside, yeah. Yeah, and it also a lot of the a lot of the exhibits were quite dark. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't properly lit. Someone's mm -hmm. going to kill me for this. And also, like you know, uh, some of the lights were literally just flickering. So mm -hmm. there's um, there's one scene with a with a sort of Egyptian head, and it's just the light is just going on and off constantly. Mm -hmm. And there's two lights in that room that are almost signalling to each other across this sort of museum scape. And there are two women sitting in the lobby, or one woman sitting in the That's lobby? That's in Starbucks, actually. That's in Starbucks, okay. It's That's not in, in a museum. So there are a few women that you shot by yourself. So there's, it's a bit of a and mix. Then like, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's, so there's women I've purchased from Pond5. Mm -hmm. So that was a kind of, that was a kind of moment, I think, where I found a kind of, a, a sort of conflict or a kind of sense of care of, not of those women, the mm. real women, but of their footage. Mm -hmm. And I found it quite odd that I could purchase them, these women, in this footage. And then I was sort of contrasting it with or layering it with women that I had filmed without them knowing in Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And doing this kind of almost like a play with their feet, pushing their feet back and forth. And in that scene as well, there's a light flickering on and off. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a little bit like a sort of weird um, accidental disco, like a sort of... Right, you made a disco out of all the... I think it was a disco already, this kind of inadvertent okay. moment. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then, so then there's the, the sort of the, the face that's underneath this sort of light in this exhibit. And the wandering through this museum that's not perfectly taken care of. And part, 
part of that is because there's two people who two two government organizations that have uh, responsibility but they're both sort of playing one against the other for who should be mm-hmm. really doing all the work and paying for it so that sort of it sort of falls through the gap in terms of care right and then there are also these um Uh, words floating in uh, 3D animation. Was it jealousy? What else was there? Uh, jealousy, gifts. Gifts. Um, yeah. And gifts. Jealousy, um, curses is another one. Uh-huh. And those are from a poem by Kate Tempest. It's called Brand New Ancients. Mm-hmm. And it's one line in it. And it's a really, yeah, it's a really brilliant poem. She, she, she often performs it live. But the bit that, that I sort of took out of this um, was mainly because she she sort of talks about the mythology mythology of like us now myth- how we could how we create stories mm-hmm. stories for ourselves stories for our children how they formed the sort of reception of the world around us so it sort of made a lot of sense and I also wanted to have these words I don't normally use language at all in any of my work and it's normally sound sort of takes that place or something that could stand in for the look of language. So I also wanted these to sort of not be just read, but also sort of felt. So they become, I modeled them, not I, someone else, modeled them in sort of 3D. So they become kind of fat and they become kind of chunky and and they're sort of embedded in the footage as well. So when the sort of, at the very beginning, you see and gifts when in that moves past with the stars, It's it's in the it's in the frame, so it's not a subtitle, but something um, something that could it's almost, almost be a job, uh, yeah, an object. Okay. There is you just mentioned the stars. That is something which you generated yourself with a certain kind of software, or how does this work? Uh, that's a Russian developer, and he created. It's all on Space Engine. It's called um, SpaceEngine.org, and you can do your own trip. So you can decide which spaceship you go in and you can record your trip around the universe. And it is the universe, so you don't construct a universe and fly through it. You fly through it and you can construct a trajectory, but the universe is... Exactly, and you can even go back in time if you wanted to go back 100,000 years. And it's, uh, I think it's as accurate as the real universe in terms of how many stars, how many planets. And it's so you what I also find interesting about it is in sort of a copy where the copyright comes in, there's no copyright as if you've recorded your journey, that's your journey, you have the you have the copyright for that. And then other aspects with like Pond five, you're sort of buying a commercial license, very limited commercial license that's individualized for that clip that you've bought. And then with sort of things like filming in public, There's this filming the the women in Starbucks who have not given me a kind of permission. And there's, um, again, with the museum, sort of public and private aspect where things are being covered up and being shown, but also quite quite shoddily in some sense. So there's kind of layering of all of these. It's really interesting because um, I was asking about the, the universe also because... Um, The question of how we how we make up narration also um, touches also the question of how we construct images, mm-hmm. and I have the feeling that for some reason the Queen of Lemons seems very 
well, logic is not the right word, but I, I don't, you stumble, you don't stumble about things where you say, oh, this doesn't work. It, it, somehow things come together. But when you talk about it, it's, it's incredibly many different things in the sense of how images are constructed and in the sense how these differently constructed images are brought together. So the universe is actually there, but you construct territory. Uh, you have a film that you shoot yourself and you take over the other things. And it's, it's really interesting. How do you do that? Is that something which you would say the construction as a film then afterwards or as a video is something, is that emotional? Is it very rational? How do you feel yourself about this process of merging these very different images together? I mean, the, I think often I have a sort of, uh, I have the technique in that I've, some, something has, has triggered my brain. In this case, it was sort of the Pond 5 things. And then I'm, I'm collecting some of those women. And then I'm, again, this kind of brings it into the editing. I'm trying to make sense of it in, in tactile terms within something like Premiere Pro. So that's when I start chopping it, pushing it and pulling it around, changing the colors. And then and then often it sort of sits for a while and then I start to build up other things. So I think it's starting your brain on a trajectory but externalizing it quite quickly. I think it was a sense of, I think it was first of all, it was a sort of a sense of responsibility and also a sort of conf slightly conflicted sense of depiction. And that sort of started it, and then it's, and then it's sort of building it, and it's, it takes a long time for me to edit something because I think I'm often making a lot of red herrings, a lot of. Uh, What's a red herring? Red herring. It's like wait, it's like the it's like the thing that's meant to distract you from your ultimate goal. Mm -mm. They use it in storylines a lot, like mm. uh, Agatha Christie, the red herring sort of steal you away from the, the from the real so murderer. Yeah, yeah. So as a reader you think, oh, it's going in this direction, but actually just the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, um, anyway, I think, I think that Red Hangs are, I think, also very interesting in terms of video editing and, and film editing, where attention lies within the screen, where it lies with, with form, with colour, with sound, with um, sort of narrative within, within objects. So, but I, you know, I think I feel that also whilst I'm editing, I'm also trying to sort of figure out what it is whilst I'm making it. So I don't have a clear, don't have a clear goal. I have a, a more of a, a sensation perhaps, or like a kind of a feeling for something. And then it's working out what that's gonna, what form that's gonna take and how it's gonna work. For me, it's, um, I find it so interesting because well, there are several layers to it. Uh, one thing is, even though you said that language is not very important in your work. It's not that it's not important. I just find it really hard to use. Like, I find it really hard to use, especially spoken words and well, the dominance um, of it. We're going to listen to the next uh, thing, but I, I just, you showed us a bit of your new attempt, uh, your attempt for, your, for the new work. And I did hear words there, right? Yeah, that's, that's the, the first time you're going to use This is the first action. time I'm using words, yeah. yeah. I heard something, someone saying Sarah something, talking to a Sarah. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if it was uh, female or male talking. Well, it's... Um, Voice. Yeah, I guess it's my, my side angle way of yeah. being able to do language. I mean, first in the Queen of Lemons, the yeah. words actually have to be turned into something fat and embedded in the footage in order for them to exist. But with this new piece, 
um, it's it's not my language. It's from scripts of television and film, little mm -hmm. scenes that I've sort of pulled the, the the dialogue from, and then got a, a voice artist to redo them. But just one voice artist, and he's redoing all of the roles. So in the bit that you heard yesterday the man is John talking to Sarah but then the voice artist is also Sarah talking back to John mm -hmm. so there's a kind of um, sameness going on that it's not a it's not a it's not a, a played out scene as it would be normally it's I think it's smart in the sense that uh, it leaves us again tactile to the voice not the content because uh, mm. We are left again with one voice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a good point now to bring in uh, the soundtrack. A, sound a soundtrack that you are w and the new piece you are working on, and then we can talk further. Yeah, and maybe I should say it's not me that's made it. It's mm -hmm. a wonderful, wonderful musician called uh, Natalia Dominguez Rangel, and she's a. Uh, She's developed it for me. And you worked with her before? No, we've been friends for a while, um, and I've wanted to work with her. But I've, uh, I think again, this is maybe due to my work process. I take, uh, I don't really know how it's all going to work together and what everything's going to look like until the very end stages of editing. And so by then, I've I've already brought in sound. And working with someone who's working with someone to make the sound, I feel like you really need to have more of a clear idea of what you can what you can ask of them. So that's never really happened before. But in this situation, I I just, I, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I needed to change my use of sound a little bit because it was getting boring for me or it was getting kind of flat. Mm -hmm. So so that's how this came about. I'm very happy I did it. Yeah, so maybe we listen to it first? Yes. And then you can explain a tiny bit what this project is actually about. Okay and uh, yeah how the sound fits into it so it's approximately six minutes i think exactly okay so we listen to it now. All right.
Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, it's always impressive. We had this before in other interviews to listen to sound without having the visuals with it. Mm -hmm. um, I think we had a comparable situation with Emma, but the difference was that the project existed. In your case, you're still working on the project. Um, and if I understood you right, this is not the final sound version because the process is still going on, so the sound will still be adapted in the, in the editing. Um, but to get an image as far as you can talk about it, if the process has not entirely reached its end yet, um, could you describe what the project is about? What, is, what can we expect and in how far do we get an image for what we just heard? Yeah, well, it, it came about um, mainly through a residency that I was doing just before Christmas in Italy, in Bologna. And I was looking at uh, Anna Morandi, who was a, a wax anatomist, and she was really kind of pioneering in her day for Bologna, for, for getting it recognized as a sort of academic um, mecca of Europe, um, and, but also because she was a woman. Um, and I was also thinking about, um, despite that, another kind of conflict. So I was thinking about all of the cadavers that she had cut up and used in order to better understand how to do her work. And she sort of laid claim to, to, use, to, to having cut up or examined thousands. And so it was, it, it was often also a case where the cadavers were people who were poor or did not have you know, the best circumstances. And this was a way in which families could, um, could gain money afterwards or um, didn't have the agency to be able to, to not be uh, offered up for this dissection. And I, I sort of wanted to make something that was uh, thinking about these bodies but without thinking about specific bodies. So I was looking at 3D models of skeletons and bought one and worked on that and I was also kind of interested in all of these 3D models so when I was talking about like the care of these images of these women on this online marketplace Pond5 I was also thinking about these these sort of these bodies that were 3D modeled and on places like like Turbo Squid so anyway we I bought this um, this skeleton and then it was a matter of sort of working it so we, me and um, Kianush were trying to give it um, a texture and a form and a shape that would that would work for work for the video. So, and it, it actually, this also comes a little bit back to the um, to the Art and History Museum. There's a clip on it where you see a real body that's been buried and it's been scanned, and I think it's I think it's in South America, and it's rotating for just two seconds in the middle of this sort of National Geographic sort of infomercial kind of information LCD screen in the museum. And I filmed it and I always wanted to use it, but it was never long enough. It never, it never had enough detail. It was, and also it depicted a real person. So it was too specific. You, there was a different emotional connection to that very specific scan of a specific person, and I wanted to, I wanted something unspecific. So, this skeleton is it's a three D model. It's although it will have been sort of, 
it will have come about in a similar way, I think, to how Anna Morandi came to her uh, wax anatomies, not by depicting one particular person, but from almost building on the shoulders of a lot of humans, a whole species. So we sort of folded it up into the same fetal position as this scanned version was, and then giving it a kind of almost like a kind of graphite texture. And strangely enough, this skeleton's got sort of scars on it, and it's, it looks like a used skeleton. And this, we use this virtual camera that kind of goes round and investigates all the bones, almost as if it's um, underwater on a sort of deep sea dive, sort of trying to, trying to uncover a wreckage. So that there's, there's both artifacts of this skeleton that you can see, but also digital artifacts, so lines where they're kind of the, the, there's not enough sort of resolution on the skin that's folding over the, over the skeleton, or, um, or where there's one, there's one bit in the video where kind of a knee sort of pops in and out because of sort of the digital, um, digital sort of problem in the, in the rendering. So bits of bones come back and come in, um, but also it's very abstract. You sort of, you do and don't see what's, what's being given. So there's, there's sort of, it's very, I find it very sort of dramatic. You can kind of turn a bone and you can see an entire foot. So you can turn, turn around a corner and you're, you're inside the rib cage of this, this female skeleton. So this video is kind of navigating all of that. And at the same time, with, it has these, these voices of this one voice artist who's talking these different scenes from cinema and from television. And they're, these, they're scenes that refer back to love in some way. So love between two, two, you know, friends, two men, love between sort of a, sibling, a child and a, and a parent, or between lovers. And they, they kind of come in and out with this music. And this music is, um, she was very, very kind in that I asked for all the, the sound and layers. So not as one, one homogenous whole, but um, split up by instruments. So then I could, I could manipulate it with the with the narration and with the skeleton and sort of bring it back in and fade it out and be able to sort of make it all work myself within the editing. Is this sound piece that we just heard? Is it like a, I don't know if that's a term in English, is it like a quarry that you can use or um, will the video be approximately the length that we just heard or can it be stretched? Will there be parts without sound at all? Um, do you already have an idea of that? Yeah, I've only... This is going to be awful if um, anyone from Mambo hears this, but because uh, it's meant to be showing there soon-ish. But um, where's Mambo? Mambo is where the resident with the residency ah, okay. in Italy, yeah. and we sort of had this long protracted residency because because of Corona. And I'm still editing it, and I think I think if I did not have deadlines, I would just keep editing forever. So it's very good that there's like a cutoff point, and uh, mm. and I have to stop. But there's, so, so I've done sections of it, but at the moment, the kind of overarching uh, feeling of it is not, it's not fixed. So it's got sections that don't have sound. It's got bits that have a lot of crescendo where the sound really kind of almost becomes that kind of emotional film soundtrack. And then it's got bits where the notes kind of feel almost a little isolated, that they're kind of lost in the space around the skeleton as well. So I kind of wanted everything to 
feel like it can stick together and come together and then also sort of break away and not be very consistent. At this point, do you know all the elements or are there going to be surprise elements you're going to bring in, like the words you brought in, uh, the the physical words in uh, the Queen of the Lemon or anything else? I, I mean, I'm just asking about your process. Right now you have some sort of an idea what's, what are there going to be, what are the components going to be of your film, but you might, uh, at this point, is it going to change? Is something going to... It could do. I think, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it definitely always changes. Mm -hmm. I think um, I think there's points where I've some kind of run out of mileage and then something does have to change in order for it to continue. Mm -hmm. um, I think there'll probably be an intermission. I think uh, in a, quite a few of my works, especially when they are the kind that are not just one image the whole way through, like the car video, I often embed something like a kind of little, almost like an intermission. And I think this is a little bit of a hark back to like older cinema days, you know, where you like would have a break in the middle of the film and the curtains would come across or there would be an advert and everyone had to leave and go get popcorn and come back again. And that was when they would reset the film. There's a kind of retuning there. I find this kind of like emotional retuning or like emotional kind of break and then being forced to go deal with something else and then come back. I find that kind of... I find that kind of fascinating and also quite, it sort of underlies the unreality and the reality of it at the same time of what you're experiencing. And so often within the videos, I have like a kind of moment in it. It's, it when I'm editing, it's normally at the end because that makes a kind of emotional sense. But as they're played on loop, they can seem kind of slightly random. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be a phototicular book that kind of opens and closes that was in the Burning Time slideshow that kind of sort of just appears with a kind of a different different music. So it'll be a kind of, yeah, almost like a kind of a different emotional pitch to everything else, mm -hmm. kind of almost sort of lighthearted. And so I think that might, that might come in as a sort of intermission uh, break in it. Yeah, the components now of uh, what I've seen and what you're talking about, they seem very psychological kind of oriented, like the skeleton, mm -hmm. the the communication, the dialogues, um, the way it moves without uh, without its awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think there's also uh, a universe uh, layer underneath it. Am I right? Or like uh, you see like space... Or, or yeah. just uh, maybe reminds me of other uh, videos of yours where you it's in a kind of void black void yeah. but there's um, there's also some drone footage of going o going over some some suburbs that mm. has um, I think has a has a sort of parallel quality in that looking at the skeleton you can kind of pin these narratives on to this skeleton mm -hmm. Uh, sort of hang it like clothes and it can be taken off again and um, with the drone footage over the suburbs and you sort of see the cars moving around there's a kind of there's a kind of million narratives but in there as well again there's I don't think I've seen that what do you mean they're just footage of like uh, um, a camera over a suburb like a neighborhood yeah okay. it was right at the end but it wasn't okay. super clear I think yesterday maybe I forgot yeah yeah, it's um, I think, but in part also for the for the uh, the camera movement, so the the camera on the drone can kind of articulate itself very differently mm -hmm. to uh, mm -hmm. to when you're manually using a camera, and it's quite similar to this virtual camera that you're using in in Cinema Ford 3D. Mm -hmm. So it's it can 
it can feel very unnatural. It can suddenly sort of like rotate left. And it's, so it's, it's got a sort of, it's got a sort of similar aesthetic in that way, but also this sort of abstract sense of, of many people and many narratives embedded into it. You sort of see these, you don't see these people, but you see these cars moving along and these lives continuing. Mm -hmm. I have the feeling, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but um, that somehow the, the, the images, or you, let's put it that way, the, the, the videos that you make, they all have something like, they, they are a bit floating. And with floating, I don't mean that you're flying through the universe with, with this certain software, so mm -hmm. not at all. I mean, and that's, that makes it a bit hard to describe. On an athletic level, it has something floating. And it that comes back in this woman jumping on the trampoline. It comes back in the combination of of sound and, and images. It comes back in the way in, in Holden, um, how you film the surface. I mean, this is, to me, it's a film that is only about surface and not at all about surface. Mm. But it's maybe to describe it, if I under, remember it right, it's only the dashboard of a, of the interior of a car, right? Very much. Yeah, it, there's, I think the most recognizable aspects of it are yeah, the dashboard. At least it, the camera is moving down. You have this, it's probably artificial leather or whatever. You see the surface of that yeah. very, very clearly. But it's like the black is in the back and the black is in the front as well. And it's really just a tiny bit. It's all black, more or less. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Kenwood uh, sound piece in the middle. And so again, language, but only as part of this. And all this is floating to me and in the other films as well, although the images are totally different. And um, I don't even have a question about this. It's more like I'm trying to, to see what is connecting the different images. Yeah. And I think it comes back. It's a good word though. I like floating. I'll use it more often <laughs> in descriptions. My yeah, work is floating. There's always like an alienation also to the objects. Also when you, when you show the car from inside, there's kind of a filter on it that makes you second guess whether it's what it, it it is what it is because it's totally different. So you may you maybe the floating is like you are some kind of alien looking at humanity or are not well known objects. Yeah, there's, a yeah. there's a distance it's between you and what is shown in. So it's more about the, the distance and the surface of the film. Or maybe or I maybe I would choose the, uh, like she's actually asking us to look at it in a different way, right? Maybe. Yeah, it could be. It could be, yeah. Yeah, but it's not like a uh, documentary film where you, I mean, where you live together with a family of five and document their, their life. And it's very much, yeah, I mean, inside the content and the film and what is happening and so on. Somehow you, you yeah, this distance is quite good. And it's, it gives a certain kind of artificialness, artificial or what would be the word in English. Um, even to things that are not artificial. Some mm -hmm. of them are very, very much, but others are not at all. Yeah. And, and this distance is really... Um, I'm actually, I'm trying to understand what is seducing you to take certain images and others not, probably, that. Mm. So, I'm, I'm still being very slow, but I'm still on this point of uh, understanding how you choose the images that you then combine. Mm. How you combine them with, uh, with the sound as well. Because it's in Queen of Lemons, I think it's 50 cent, right? Yeah, it's the Backer Rhythm Band doing a, doing a cover of 50 cent. Yeah. And then there's also uh, Chopin, who's, um, but it's not, 
it's not played by a kind of a classical instrument, but by boom whackers, which are these kind of plastic tubes, like what they use for plumbing, but different thicknesses and shapes make a slightly different tone. But it's, um, so they're, they're kind of things that are very recognizable, but done with a different That's what, different why instrument. I, I mean, it's not important that it's 50 cent or somebody else, but it, there's some recognizable element to it. Yeah. I yeah. remember there was in, I think in Perth Schauburg, uh, during the performer some years ago, there was a piece, I don't even remember by whom it was, and then halfway through they played uh, Britney Spears. And the effect was really, really strange that you have something that you look at, and it has its own rhythm, it has its own um, uh, laws or logic. Mm -hmm. And then you bring acoustically something in which everybody knows, and which brings its own emotional level to it or so. So everybody connect to this, can connect to this piece. But you even manipulate that. Yeah. The, the, the 50 cent, I'm always saying that because I don't know the, the band, I already forget the name again who played it. Um, it's like you hear it through the telephone first and then you, you push it up. Yeah. So you're playing with it as well, but still it gives the spectator something which he can rely on, let's put it that way, in this artificial world of images. Yeah, and I, I think also, um, I think I often play with bringing, bringing attention along and then potentially dropping it a little bit and then picking it up again. And I'm, I find, I'm loath to use the word like manipulation, but I think it's kind of um, play, playfulness to, to believe in the psychology of the audience as being similar to your own psychology. And that if I'm enjoying it, how I get picked up and put down and directed, that someone else would also find this a kind of interesting tactic. I think it's also I, one comment I had when I was um, in my bachelor's by this painter called Richard Kerwin was never, never be afraid of work that is seducing. And I think it's something that's always a little bit in my head that there's this there's this sort of duality between uh, seductive as being able to turn off critical distance and then there's critical distance and that that there should be that duality in the first place and I, I think that's something I like to try and almost have at the same time. But so how do you balance it really? Yeah, how do you want? Point. How do you balance your... I don't, yeah, I think I think surprise is really important that right. you can be almost expecting the next thing and I think this is where something like like entrainment comes in with, with rhythmical timing that you can dance to something a song that you don't even know but your body can predict you can predict what the next beat is going to be like and then and then when something changes like with the Britney Spears there's that sudden readjustment but that's also quite tantalizing as well or it can be it depends how it's done so it's a tool not necessarily um, but for a second also if you cheated on uh, not negatively in the sense of uh, you're doing something wrong towards me, but that I'm not 100% sure about my own emotions because this is always... If, if you have a, a narration, a story, which I can follow very much, mm -hmm. and I'm either in the story or I'm not in the story, but everything is like going that way, let's take an Agatha Christie or whatever, and uh, okay, I follow this and I like it or I don't. The way you collage images is asking much more, of course, for me to follow this and, and do I um, surrender entirely to a visual impact or do I try to understand something rationally or whatever. And then all of a sudden there comes this song that I know. And at that point I also feel it like a bit of a relief. And at the same moment, but maybe that's my personal problem, I always think, may I be relieved at this moment? 
does is this distracting me from what is actually happening mm -hmm. and do I let, let, let myself fall into something which I know better than the images which I also know in some way but which are presented in an unknown way so it's it's kind of yeah you don't have to call it manipulating the, the, the yeah it's but it's it's really an interesting relation let's put it that way yeah yeah I think yeah I think manipulating is the wrong word it, it gives the idea that um yeah, that I'm holding all the cards. In one sense, I am. When I'm editing, I'm holding, like, yeah. some of the cards, but um, I think I'm often also editing to my... I'm editing to my own sort of psyche, so it's not a it's not an exclusive manipulation. It's an inclusive manipulation, yeah. if I can put it like that. But there's also... I remember in that med editing that video, there's one bit where this statue, which is sort of, like, really sort of stereotype statue of a of an African figurine that's rotating and I didn't know what to do with it. I the one that is turning. The one that's turning, yeah. yeah. Which is a very strong image also because it remains quite a while. Yeah, and it's also, she's also, she, it's naked, she is naked and she's rotating and and then I realised at a certain point because I've, I've got it and I've bought it and I can edit it, I can also make her do a titty dance by sort of repeating this little clip she can kind of she can dance for us on the one hand but then on the other hand she's dancing for us <laughs> so there's a kind of yeah there, I, I think there's 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 those moments where I where I do feel kind of um, um, not conflicted but like some, something is happening here and I don't know how to set necessarily make sense of it and I feel like it, it makes sense through the rest of the video so there's a kind of there's a kind of um, exploration that also needs to be done when it's read in comparison with all these other things and it's not it's not sort of given as an as an answer at the beginning yeah they don't understand. yeah, um, yeah I think um, it's really interesting to talk with um, with you about your work because you are, have this uh, very intuitive way of working and it's hard to really have a conversation and ask you what do you exactly do you do here and why did you decide that because it's uh, it seems to me that you are really working in a super intuitive manner am i right um, um yeah i suppose so yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> very tactile very non-literal so but i find i find the way you present uh, it's very generous in the sense of, uh, you know, your emotional decisions or your intuitive decisions. So, yeah. I just wanted to ask one more thing, and that is, uh, it's almost technical, but uh, talking about having control over the work. Um, I think most of your work is really shown in loops, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Otherwise, you'd be doing screening times, and I find that really painful. <laughs> yeah, but it also means there's no beginning and no end. And um, is that? Yeah, but I remember when I was in Wheels and I, I watched the Queen of Lemons. Um, it's of course you you just enter the space and it's it's running. I think there was no break in between, right? I, no, I remember yeah. right. It was coming back, and so which is a very um, there's a text about you. Um, somebody wrote, and it's about. Like, hallucination or whatever so and that is also this I'm just thinking about this turning sculpture the African sculpture which is turning and yeah. the film itself is also turning so there's some kind of repetitive thing but not as a strong rhythm or whatever but just as something which is 
going on and with these strong images, I think. So if you're talking, Batreva, about the intuitive thing, it gets some strength to that as well. Yeah, yeah. I th I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of fascinated by recorded material in general, that it's somehow laid down and durational and sort of static in a way, that it kind of exists, that we're sort of piling up all this material and what we're going to do with it. And so, like, I, even with this podcast, I, I feel kind of, to be honest with you, like, if I, I mean, I'm enjoying the conversation, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm trapped. <laughs> Everything I say is going to be like... Record, yeah, that's, but that's my, I think that's my relationship a little bit to like recorded material. It, it, it becomes something else away from me and it exists in the world and it, it has its potentially its own, its own life. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so, is it a general thing with doing interviews? Uh, this is the first like recorded interview I've done. Yeah, because I'm, I'm used to doing a lot of written interviews. Yeah. Usually, and uh, there can be again manipulated also. very much afterwards mm -hmm. which makes it easier when you do it causes a lot of work if you don't do it very well but still you can do it afterwards in a totally different direction yeah yeah um, but, but it also means that the one who is interviewed can, can change it and now you are sorry that we trapped you sorry no. for trapping you here not sorry at all <laughs> but yes, i think it's fascinating but it was as, a very as said you're very open and that of course is something if if, if you would decide to keep all your secrets very much and just like talk in a very factual way mm -hmm. and it's probably easier to give it away yeah but it's also much less interesting yeah i feel like it's not that it was it would have been easy for you because you wouldn't have been because uh, you work very intuitively but in a way you are very open to discussing with us some kind of uh, process you're going through which is even harder than actually laying out facts mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you for the generosity again. <laughs> thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Very yeah. Much. Thank you for um, the excuse for daytime drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all best for your project. When, yeah. when will this be finished? You said that the deadline helps you. When is the deadline? Uh, that's going to be the very beginning of May. But I'm hoping to get it done a bit before that because I think I envisage technical difficulties. And with everything, um, of course, depending on the situation with Corona, etc. But you are going to Bologna again then for that? Or? That is the plan. But yeah. I mean, as far as you can make plans at the moment, that's my plan. Yeah. To go back for the opening. Yeah, we hope you bring it back as well. We're <laughs> curious now, especially mm -hmm. after we heard so. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Mm-hmm.